Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one symbolic page of Talmud every day. As we read today's page, Eruvin 62, we come across a really interesting discussion of the Eruv as a kind of almost political tool, a tool to build community, to determine who's an insider and who's an outsider. And this gives me great pleasure, not only because it's a really interesting topic, but because it allows me to welcome the author of an article I've always found absolutely fascinating. Its title is The Political Symbolism of the Eruv. And we have with us its author, Professor Charlotte von Robert, Professor of Religious Studies and the Director of the Taubi Center for Jewish Studies at Stanford University. Professor von Robert, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And so this uh, brilliant article, which, which everyone should read, as well as, as a lot of, of Yarla's scholarship, basically makes a really interesting assertion that while we know the Eruv as a kind of rabbinic tool for regulating and discussing the labors that are not permitted during Shabbat, you say it also serves another sort of deeper purpose as a kind of tool of building community, as a kind of tool of delineating between insiders and outsiders. It's really a fascinating insight into what I'm sure a lot of us have sort of started to wonder this far into the tractate you know, what this Eruv thing really is for. So shed some light on this for us. How is the Eruv a tool of political symbolism and community building? Uh, thank you, Lyle. The Eruv, especially the Eruv Chatzerot, or the Eruv, Eruv of the courtyard, the Eruv of the neighborhood, as I want to think of it, uh, turns into an opportunity for the rabbis to really think about how we negotiate the relationship between uh, Jews and non-Jews, and in this case, interestingly, also between Jews and other types of Jews. And the Mishnah will mention the Tzadukim, or the Sadducees, or the person who does not hold by the principle of Eruv. And on our Duff this morning, uh, the uh, the missionary is the issue of what happens when we live, or we, in this case, rabbinic Jews, uh, live in close proximity with non-Jews, um, and what that means for the formation of the Eruv community. So in that case, the Mishnah basically rules that one lives in close proximity as neighbors with non-Jews or with Jews who don't by the principle of the Eruv, it will be impossible to form the Eruv community and doesn't offer a solution. And then only in uh, the companion volume to the Mishnah, the Tosefta, do the rabbis come up with an additional sort of ritual fiction of the rent with the non-Jewish neighbors. And so those two things, the Talmud, uh, the Babylonian Talmud, will negotiate. And so those things become, or those mechanisms, ritual mechanisms, turn into a way to think about what happens when we really think about what the utopian or a a good functioning Shabbos community will be. So in theory, of course, it only has to do with how do we do Shabbos and how do we live together on Shabbat. But in practice, it really turns into that kind of negotiation of relationship with those non-Jewish neighbors. And to me, it was very interesting to see that in the Talmud, in the Babylonian Talmud, uh, in the Gemara, the rabbis basically 
go sort of with a, a sense or read the mission in such a way that, yes, it will be impossible to form a Shabbos community, an Eruv community, with the non-Jews because the non-Jews will never understand why we, why we, when I say we, obviously rabbinic Jews, when rabbinic Jews come to them on uh, Friday on Erev Shabbat to rent from them something towards the purpose of the Sabbath. And so the Babylonian Talmud will read this mechanism as something that will make the Erev community basically impossible which is very counterintuitive because you have an entire treatise, an entire Masechet, that actually tries to explain how this mechanism is set up. But when then you compare that with the discussions in the uh, Palestinian Talmud, the Palestinian Talmud has a very different take on that. And the Palestinian Talmud, the Yoshami, never sees a problem with the making of an elf community with the with the non-Jews via the mechanism of the renting for the purposes of the elf. And so you see the differences between the various Jewish interpretations of how one applies the elf to practicality in forming the neighborhood towards the Shabbos community. And that continues uh, throughout the medieval period and into the contemporary scene, obviously. You know, this is fascinating that, that you bring up this difference between the Babylonian Talmud, which is obviously written in Bavelin, you know, as Jews were uh, were in exile, and the uh, Jerusalem Talmud, uh, the Yerushalmi, which was written by Jews who are still living in Eretz Israel. Because in, in your article, you write, Be that as it may, I quote, The logic of a demography of fear and of fundamental ritual misunderstanding by the other permeates the Babylonian Talmud's entire approach to this issue. It's really interesting to think that that uh, even the notion of what constitutes community uh, changes so drastically whether you live in Israel among other Jews or in Babylonia surrounded by non-Jews. That's right. Um, I'm not sure um, whether it's by definition, uh, a juxtaposition between the land of Israel and living amongst mostly Jews, because the Mishnah, uh, in this case, uh, which we assume is composed and collected and edited in the Galilee, comes from that presumably majority Jewish context. But that's at a time when the rabbis, first of all, were a minority, and the Mishnah also reflects that you live with non-Jews. I think that has to do more, or one can think about this more in terms of different sensibilities and experiences of what it means in whichever context to live with with the other next door, so to speak, and what the particular political context of that, of that are. So you could have a diaspora community where actually the relationship with non-Jews are not fraught at all, and in which case, I mean, we see that in the American context and with American urban Elvin, when the Jewish communities go to the city councils or whatever one goes to in terms of the representatives of non-Jewish governance, then in some communities there's no issue with that. And we have, of course, uh, in, in the various cities in, in America, without much contention, Elvin instituted. Versus in other communities in uh, prominent cases, obviously, in Long Island and also here in Palo Alto, there, were, there was much more of a, a um, contentious discussion around that. 
So whether the conviviality with, with, with the other, with non-Jews and other Jews, works or is perceived as working, that has to do with, I think, particular local context. And it's not necessarily one of land of Israel versus diaspora. So one last question on, on that note. You conclude uh, your article by, by suggesting that the Eruv actually offers us a, I quote again, a powerful model of a territoriality without sovereignty. I really like this idea. In other words, here is a, a mechanism for allowing a kind of contiguous territory in which you know Jews could live according to their customs and yet do so in the larger context of living in a, in a land in which the Jewish laws, or at least the halachic Jewish laws, are, are not sovereign. Is that kind of a model that is particularly apt for us nowadays, particularly in communities like America in which, thankfully, we live very peacefully with our neighbors? Yes, I was thinking along those lines, meaning the Eruv envisions a, a model where we're not just parallel playing as, uh, uh, as neighboring communities and neighboring communities with different identities, but where we rely, and that's what the Eruv does, we rely on the other to enable us to do our, um, however fictional this ritual system may be. But um, so... Well, in that sense, the community, the non-Jewish community is asked to help out, and that sort of sets up a system where one has to negotiate, right, with the non-Jewish community how we are recognized as a presence in the way we are within that local community. And so in that sense, uh, it really is about territoriality and shared territoriality and how do different legal systems or different ritual systems, how can they be made to play with each other? Professor Charlotte von Robert, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Lyle. It was a pleasure. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes, Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone, or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.